0: morning again um, and welcome again to New Life Manitou. I'm Susan and I'd like to invite you to stand with God's words reading please. This is Psalm 51 and this is right after um, David had committed adultery. Have mercy on me O God according to thy great mercy. According to the multitude of thy tender mercies blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned, and done that which is evil in thy sight, so that you are justified in your sentence, and blameless in thy judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thy desires truth in the inward being, therefore teach me wisdom in my secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Fill me with joy and gladness. Let the bones which thou hast broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. Cast not me away from your presence, and take not the Holy Spirit from me. Restore me to the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressions thy ways, and sinners will return to thee. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, that God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of thy deliverance. O Lord, open my lips, and may my mouth show forth with praise. For thou hast no delight in sacrifice were I to give a burnt offering. Thou would not be pleased. The sacrifice acceptable to God is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O oh God, you will not despise me. Do good to Zion in thy good pleasure. Rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Then wilt thou delight in right sacrifices, in burnt offerings, and in whole burnt offerings. And then bulls will be offered on that altar. Amen.
1: Let's remain standing as we pray. Lord. This passage is about forgiveness. So, Lord, would you forgive us of our sins? Would you clean us, Lord? Would you wash us? Would you heal us? Because, Lord, that is what you do. You are a faithful, merciful God who comes to us, bringing us peace and love and joy and your mercy. So, Lord, this morning we praise your name. You are Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And God's people shouted, Amen. 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 You may be seated. I often think that this time that we get to spend together is short. We worship the Lord, we see each other, we mingle, and then we go our separate ways, and life is sometimes it's short, we have short lives. And so many people that I run into as a pastor are often so burdened by unforgiveness. They've had something in their life that they've done and they just don't feel like they are forgiven. And this Psalm, Psalm 51, reminds us that there is forgiveness, reminds us of God's mercy, reminds us of His grace that comes to us when we just ask Him. He is faithful, so today, I I have five points of a sermon, which is uh, a little long. The the sermon will be, don't don't worry, the sermon will be the normal time, but I've broken it down into five points. Usually there's just three, so this is an exciting day for me to venture out of the three-point sermon and into a five, but the first point is this. It has been our theme through this series on the Psalms, that the Psalms teach us the language of faith. Every one of these Psalms, there's 150 of them, have some sort of circumstance, situation in which they were written and many of them tell us, right? In the very beginning, the, the like the before verse one or even the Jewish Bible, if, if you have a Jewish Bible at home, it often starts with verse one and this particular Psalm tells us that this is the Psalm written by David when Nathan the prophet came to him after he had committed adultery with Bathsheba and we'll talk about that story. But all of the Psalms have some sort of situation. We don't know what some of those situations are but it's a reminder and hope for me that in any of our life, situations, whether we're happy or we're sad or we're lonely, depressed, there are prayers that lead us to God found in the Psalms. There was a book uh, written about six years ago. Christian book kind of became mainstream for whatever it's worth. It became an Oprah book club book, and it it brought people talking about prayer. People that may, may not uh, normally talk about prayer uh, brought into the mainstream to talk about prayer. I haven't read the book, can't recommend it either way, but I appreciate how the the book simplified prayer into three words. That all of prayer is one of three things. Help, thanks, or wow. All of prayer can be summarized into help, thanks, or wow. And I thought, wow, that's that's. That really summarizes it, doesn't it? And this psalm, this psalm would be a subcategory under the help. Lord, we need you to help us because we've messed up and we need your forgiveness. That's what this psalm is all about. It is the psalm of saying, Sorry, So that would be a subcategory of this this Oprah Book Club book that, that went uh, pretty popular years ago. For whatever it's worth, sorry is a type of prayer. We need to be taught how to say sorry. I have four little boys, right? And <laughs> I think about how many times every single day, he's like, well, see, you need to say sorry to your brother. Why? Well, because you hit him, you bit him, you kicked him, you pushed him down the stairs, you told him he smelled like poo-poo, which... <laughs> was true, but that's not nice. So let's change his diaper and you need to say sorry to your brother. Kids kids need to be taught how to say sorry. We, I think, need to be taught how to say sorry, to bring to the Lord one of these feelings that we have as human beings when we have messed up and we have when we have caused brokenness and pain and hurt in our own lives or in the lives of others or before the Lord, we can come to him and say sorry. So point number two is this, God forgives even the worst of sins, and that's good news today. If you don't hear anything but me saying this, if you walk out of here remembering one thing, think, well, God forgives us. He forgives us even the worst of sins. Sometimes people think, well, I've, I've committed a, a really bad sin, and the Lord, he couldn't forgive that. Yes, yes. He forgives all sin, even the worst of sin. So let's get into this story. There's a backstory, which I'm sure many of you are aware of. Psalm 51 is written when Nathan the prophet comes to David after he has committed adultery. That's what the text says. And this is the same David that, that's the King David, the good guy, right? A, a man, it says in the Bible, that he is a man after God's own heart yeah you know this like he's the good guy he's the king he's the best king he's the guy that as a little boy went out and killed Goliath because of how much faith he had this is the same David the good guy the hero of the old testament and the story starts off like this in second Samuel chapter 11 it says in the springtime when the kings go off to war David sent Joab with the king's men and the whole Israelite army who did he send the king's men like, so isn't he he's the king so here's some men fighting for the king and where's the king he said at home in the palace hanging out and it says this they they destroyed the ammonites and besieged rabba but david remained in jerusalem he was home and up to no good one evening david got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of his palace and from the roof he saw a woman bathing And the woman is beautiful, and David sent someone to find out about her. So get this picture. David's on the roof, sees someone, and wants to be with her. So he sends someone, go find out about her. And word comes back that this is a married woman. This is Uriah the Hittite's wife. And if you know your Bible like, like crazy well, like trivial pursuit well, you might know that Uriah the Hittite was one of David's mighty men, one of these 36 fighting men that knew David even before he was king when Saul was chasing him around and David was hiding in caves with a band of men. Uriah was one of these 36 like David knew Uriah pretty well. He was a band of this brotherhood. And so this is Uriah's wife. That's the word that comes back. That doesn't seem to stop David. It doesn't seem to slow her, him down. He sends a group of men to Bathsheba's house to go get her and bring her back. And I've, I was reading some commentaries this week, and, and they, uh, some of them said, well, just ask the question: What? What? Choice did Bathsheba have in this matter. A group of men come to your house, your husband's out of town at war, and they've come to get you. Do you have a choice? I I don't know. And so Bathsheba goes to David's house, and it says he was with her. It says she becomes pregnant. That word comes back to David, and he then tries to cover it. His plan is this, to have Uriah come back from the fields. Uriah would be with his wife. Nine months later, a baby would be born, and nobody would think anything of it, right? Right? That was his plan, he had this great plan. It's a horrible plan, but that's what his plan was. So he brings Uriah back, says, Uriah, go be with your wife, eat, drink, be merry, spend time with your wife, go be with her, and Uriah says this, Uriah said to David, the ark in Israel and Judah are staying in tents, and my commander Joab and my Lord's men, so like David, your men, are camped in the open country. How could I go to my house? <laughs> Eat and drink, make love to my wife. As surely as you live, I will not do such a thing. Imagine David hearing this. Like <laughs> David's like, yeah, I'm gonna go back to my palace and chill. Like, <laughs> like, like, like the the righteousness of Uriah. To, to his men are out in the field, and David should be there too. With you know, the king is in the in the palace. Up to no good, and the king's men and the people fighting for the king and for the kingdom are out in sleeping in tents. That's where David should be, but David one-ups this plan of his, which is a horrible, horrible, sinful plan. In the morning, David wrote a letter to Joab, that's the commander, and the letter said this. I've heard this story a lot, and every time I hear it, I think, what if Uriah was to open this letter and see what was inside? Because it says this. It says, put Uriah out in the front where the Fighting is the fiercest. Then withdraw from him so that he will be struck down and he will die. And that's what happens. And this this verse, uh, this chapter ends in verse twenty seven with maybe an all time understatement in the Bible. But it says this that the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. Think about in this story being uh, Bathsheba's dad in this story. Think about being I've thought about this week being the men who were given the direct order. Go put Uriah out in the front, and when the fighting gets fierce, back up from him and let him die. Imagine imagine Uriah looking back, and, and looking at those men, those men he had fought with, and guys, what are you doing? Like, and then he's struck down, and then he's killed. This is a horrible thing that David does. This is the same David, the hero. This is the same David, the king. This is the same David and Goliath, and yet this is the time where he is so broken, and he brings brokenness and sin to everything he is touching right now. And the next chapter, 2 Samuel 12:1, opens up with the Lord sent Nathan to David. And Nathan's the prophet. He goes to David and I, I thought about this moment in the, in the sermon all throughout the week thinking like we we could think like oh this is giving us permission to go point out other people's sin. Like oh I know my neighbor's sinning. I know somebody in here's sinning. I'm going to go point it out to them just like Nathan did to David. And that's not what's happening here. If this is not the pointing out of sin and, and pushing people down and saying uh, you're horrible you're evil and, and, and there's no forgiveness for you and you're just such a bad bad person. This is Nathan coming to David with kindness. Reminds me of that verse in Romans 2 that says, the Lord's kindness leads us to repentance. Reminds me of a passage in James that says, human anger never produces righteousness that God desires. And I've been a pastor for 14 years, and I think about different times in my life where I've had to go to someone, and it is always with with pain, it is always with, I try to be so kind and tell someone, like, Here, here's what's going on, and I have found out about it, and, and this is not a good situation. So Nathan goes to David with this humility, with this kindness, and tells David a story. Some of you know it. So he goes to to David and says this story, like a word picture, a metaphor, an analogy. He says there was this poor man with a baby sheep. And the story gets more and more ridiculous because it's like this baby little sheep. And imagine like, I I realize some of you might like love your little puppies and and hang out with your puppies. This is a sheep though. And this this is like the ancient agrarian culture where you don't let sheep into your house. You don't let the livestock in. But for some reason in this story, this poor man not only brings his sheep in, but lets the little sheep eat off his plate and drink out of his cup in this story. And the sheep even sleeps in his bed with him. It's just like this ridiculous thing and this poor man has this sheep and then a rich man has a traveler come in and visit with him and the, and the rich man wants to throw a meal, uh, a feast for this traveler and so what does he do? He takes that sheep of the poor man the sheep that's drinking out I don't even know how you do that like feed a sheep out of your cup but he takes this poor man's sheep and he kills it and prepares a meal to impress this traveling person and David burns with anger it says this David burns with anger against the man and says to Nathan as surely as the Lord lives this man who did this must die the death penalty for cooking a lamb and eating it. It's called mutton. And so David is enraged that this has happened. He wants the death penalty a little excessive. And he asks Nathan, Who is this man? And Nathan says, You, you are this man. And then it it must have come clear to David. There must be more to this conversation. There must be more to what's going on here because this whole psalm that we're going to look at, Psalm 51, was written here. But David says, I have sinned against the Lord. And Psalm 51 is this, this prayer, this psalm of just how sorry David was. And then it says this, the good news, verse 13 says, Nathan replied, the Lord has taken away your sin.'" Which brings us back to this point that I started with the point number two is that God forgives even the worst of sins. Here's David committing adultery and murder to cover that thing. And this sin is forgiven. Point three is this confession comes out of confidence in God's mercy. I'll say it again. Confession comes out of confidence in God's mercy. This psalm starts off and says the word mercy three times. Have mercy on me, O God, according to thy great mercy according to the multitude of tender mercies it goes on to say blot out my trans- transgressions wash me thoroughly from my iniquity cleanse me from my sin but it all begins holding on to this thought that god is merciful Mercy is this, compassion or forgiveness shown to someone. And David is calling upon the mercy of God, and he is so very sorry. The depth of how sorry he is, is seen in this psalm. It says this, for thou, the God, has no delight in sacrifice, right to give a burnt offering that would not be pleased. The sacrifice acceptable to God is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. So if someone hurts you, someone messes up, someone offends you, and you are just broken because of what this person did to you, do you want them to go to 7-Eleven and pick up some knickknacks and bring them to you? No, you're like, get this stuff, get this trash out of my face, this little plastic rose thing. Get this out of here, don't bring that to me. What I need you to know is just how horrible you have done this wrong to me. And so David is saying before the Lord, the Lord doesn't delight in sacrifices or offerings. What the Lord delights in, what is acceptable to him is brokenness, is coming to the Lord and saying just how sorry you are, confessing before the Lord. A true confession has three parts. One is to see sin for what it is, you're truly sorry for what you have really done. Number two, to see God for who he really is. And number three, to see you yourself, what you have done for who you really are. And you are very sorry and you confess this. I think this Psalm, is is probably my favorite psalm i've thought that for quite a few years praying this psalm i I probably pray it once twice a week on an average week just thinking through like lord would you forgive me i my i'm always in need of your mercy i'm always in need of you coming to me and cleansing me For verse three says, I know my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done what is evil in thy sight, so thou art justified in thy sentence and blameless in thy judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. That verse three says, for my sin and my transgression is ever before me. It's like a movie in your head of what you've done, playing again and again and again and if people know about your sin, they point and they jab and they make fun and they remind you of that sin and there it is in your mind playing again and again and maybe every single one of us in here are like, yeah, there's there's something that just comes back to my mind when you, when I'm talking about this, yeah, there's, there's something there that is just ever before me and the Lord can take that away, the Lord can take that evil out of you the Lord can just forgive you and bring mercy and his peace upon you. David says uh, that even in sin did his mother conceive him, and I think most scholars and uh, people who comment on the Bible and have looked at this passage again and again say, well this is a reminder that we're just in a sinful world, that we come into a world that is sinful, we come into a world that is broken, and there's no escaping it except for the Lord and his mercy. Think about this, that the confession is the most hopeful posture a life can take. Confession is the most hopeful (coughs) posture a life can take. When we come into our lives and considering the good news of the gospel, we think that we can figure this out, we can clean ourselves, but it's the Lord who can clean us. Point four is this god cleans us david says wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin verse 7 says purge me with hyssop, hyssop and i shall be clean wash me and i will be whiter than snow have you ever seen something really dirty get really clean really quick i think about uh, as a kid my mom who's here she had a copper so I was born in Turkey. My dad was stationed in Turkey, and she got a bunch of copper stuff, uh, copper kettles, copper little bins, copper plates. And a couple times a year, you'd take copper, and you would clean it. At least as a kid, I thought this was like a magical substance. turns out to just be salt and vinegar. And if you take copper and clean it with salt and vinegar, it's horribly dirty and brown and green. And then just with a few swipes of salt and vinegar, what's it turn into? Brand new, sh- brand new shiny, clean. And David says, "'Wash me, Lord.'" make me clean, make me whiter than snow, and the Lord is able to do this. It says, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Hyssop is in the mint family, it's a plant, and it's used for its medicinal things in the ancient world, it's in the mint family, and so when you clean with it, this aroma of fresh mint comes out, and it's like, Lord, make me like that, clean me from the inside out. Lord, only you can make us how you want us to be. I'll say that again, Lord, only you can make us how you want us to be. Think about that, like I, I talk to people sometimes, I was just talking to Ashley and and like being reminded of, of people who often say, yeah, I wanna go to church, I, I wanna give my life to Jesus, but first I need to clean up my act, I need to clean up and, and, and get myself clean before I come to church. And in my mind, I'm like, are you crazy? Like, do you realize all of us in here, none of us are clean? We are always all asking the Lord to clean us, and the Lord does from the inside out. He cleans us. We don't have to clean up to come in here. We don't have to clean up to give our lives to Jesus. Give our lives to Jesus. Become part of this community, and he will clean us from the inside out. Point five is this, the the final point of this sermon is that our hope for forgiveness has conquered. Our hope for forgiveness has conquered. David prays this, and here you see towards the end of this psalm that the Lord is forgiving him. David says, create in me a clean heart, O God. Put a new and right spirit within me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Uphold me with a willing spirit. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God. Thou God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your deliverance. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall bring forth your praise. Next week is Resurrection Sunday, and we'll shout this thing. We'll say, Christ is risen, and you all will shout. He is risen indeed. That's next week, we'll do that. But every week should be that, right? Psalm 51 is this reminder that he is the one who has conquered death. When we sin and in this world of sin and darkness and death, like that's the pattern. Like we live in this world that isn't right. There's evil in this world. We bring evil into the world because we sin. The world is evil and it's just messed up and there's death because of that. But Jesus not only conquered sin, he conquers death and we celebrate that every Sunday. Specifically, next week we were, we will remind ourselves that He rose from the grave. I think about the triumphal inf- entry of Jesus. Palm Sunday, the kids are downstairs playing with little palm branches, getting the story of Jesus came into Jerusalem as a king to set people free. The Jewish people were like crawling up in trees, taking down branches and laying them down so that they could honor and respect Jesus, who they thought was coming to take over Jerusalem and, and smash the Roman empire and give Jews freedom, uh, like political freedom in that day. And Jesus does so much more. He sets all people free for all time. He brings Breaks the curse of sin, and he breaks and conquers death. One last story: uh, a woman was in our house a couple a couple months ago. She had messed up. She had taken something, and from a friend, and this friend uh, blew it up. And 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 everybody in her circle knew about this thing that this woman had done. And she was just so broken. And people found out about it. She was so empty. She came to our house crying. She said she hadn't eaten in days and just weeping and and asking like for forgiveness before the Lord and for a friend. And like what should I do? Just at a horrible place in our life. Maybe all of us have been there done that, come to a place of when it just all blows up in our face and here's this situation just and it's horrible and her question for us, Erica and I were praying with her, her question was how do I know I'm forgiven and, and we talked about this psalm this, this psalm is a psalm of hope Even though it's a horrible situation, which we spelled out in in gory detail at the beginning of this sermon, this psalm is a psalm of good news because it's for all of us, no matter what we've done, no matter what sin is in our mind ever before us, the Lord will forgive all of that. He will make us righteous if, We come to him and we ask and we are truly sorry and we come before him like David came before the Lord and said, Lord, have mercy on me. According to thy great mercy, according to the multitude of tender mercies, blot out my transgressions because you, Lord, are are faithful and merciful and would you break this curse of sin and death that's on me and bring life. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? As we prepare to to take communion, we're gonna sing another song. Lord, we pray to you and we ask you to forgive us. Would you fill our minds with, with righteousness, fill our minds with mercy and forgive us. Lord, you are the one who is faithful, you are the one who is merciful, you take our sins away and we worship you, Lord. We praise you because you do this wonderful thing you take away sin and you conquer death. We pray this in your name, Lord, amen. Would you stand with me? We're gonna say together this prayer of forgiveness and many of these words are based directly on the psalm we just read, Psalm 51. We'll say this in unison as a prayer. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought and word and deed by what we have done and what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we might delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name, amen.